Hello and welcome. My name is Joel Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. On today's episode, Ian and I are joined by Rebecca Lim. Rebecca is a writer and illustrator based in Melbourne, Australia, with a background in commercial law. Rebecca is the author of 16 books for children and young adult readers. Shortlisted for the Prime Minister's Literary Award and many other awards, her novels have been translated into German, French, Turkish, Portuguese, and Polish. We chat about Jurassic Park, D-Day landings, Geostorm, the trauma cleaner, and many more in the media section. And we delve into myth and fantasy in children's literature for the topic. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at SpecFicVic and find our podcast archives on our website, themorningbell.com.au. You can also find our literary festival, Speculate, on the website specfic.com.au. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is Joel Martin, and we are back, ladies and gentlemen, at the Brunswick Street Bookstore. Uh, A couple of housekeeping things. One, we're back. That's great, I hope. Um, But also, Speculate was a huge success. At least we think so, and so um, has been the Twitter conversations over it. Um, It was a really exciting time, and for everyone that attended... A huge thank you. I think it was a big day, very emotional at the end of it, but I think we really got to showcase a lot of the talent that comes out of Australian Specfic. Uh, Now, on this podcast, we also have another wonderful Specfic author, but before I introduce her, Ian, you're back. Hello, how's it going? Pretty good. I uh, lost my voice over the weekend, but I got it back specifically so I could do this podcast. I know, you didn't tell me you lost your voice Mm. in order to you know, allay any fears. Well, I found it again, so I figured... You found it again. Yeah. It's like writing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I found my voice. Wow, it's deep. Wow. It is very deep. Yeah, I was writing, and then suddenly I found myself, you know, George R.R. Martining something, and I was like, whoa, hold on. Hang on a minute. So what I meant was, yeah, it wasn't my literary voice. It was my literally... Literally my voice. All right. Sorry. First stumble of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Won't be the last. There you go. Um... So yeah, it's great to have you back, and uh, thank you for your contribution at Speculate as well. Good yeah, no, it was job. really good to, to be there. I was only able to make it towards the end of the day, but it was fantastic having the uh, having the festival and kind of being there. We had a great buzz. Um, yeah, a big shout out to the team that made it happen. Absolutely. Um, and if you're listening to this, you will also notice on the website there will be more episodes coming out from Somerset. So the episode that was just released will be the episode with Jackie French and Tim Harris. And that was a great conversation with both wonderful authors. And Tim is a great upcoming author and amazing speaker as well. Um, And Jackie is just a font of information and wisdom. And it was a great conversation to have. So please check that out. Um, We also have another special episode coming out from there. So keep an eye out on the website. But for today, we have a very special guest, Rebecca Lim. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Fantastic to have you. So Tell us about your week, Rebecca. How has it been? Have you been busy? Um, I've kind of been in like a cone of silence because I I had um, a book just come out last week and then I had to hand in another book and I'm doing mm. publicity for a, a book that I edited. So sure. it's just been a storm of just writing and deadlines and, you know, not sort of being able to see anyone or do anything really. No, I get that. Yeah, I totally get that. It's really weird, isn't it? When, when people ask you like, oh, what are you doing this week? And you're like, 
I'm writing. And they're like, just desperately oh, writing. Yeah, yeah, you're writing yeah. and you say, I'm writing. And they're like, oh, you can come on for a coffee then. Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, nah. you, you don't say that to a brain surgeon. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm in the middle of a surgery. Ah, just duck out. Just duck out for a coffee. It's That's when they say, oh, I've been meaning to write a book. I'm just going to get started <laughs> on that then. Like, ah, uh, yeah, anyone can do it. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Whoops. Oh, it's so good. There's an, there's a re- I don't want to steal it, but Jackie has an amazing story in that podcast about yep. brain surgeons and writing. So mm. there you go. But yeah, do have you get do you get that a lot, Rebecca? When people are just like, oh, yeah, they're like you're just staring into space, you know, just come on out. Doesn't <laughs> yep. look like you're doing anything. And yeah. meanwhile, you're trying to move, you know, twenty six people around on a you know playing field. Structurally, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Novel. So you just and you've got all this stuff sort of suspended cards. in midair, and were yeah. their eyes green? Were they blue? You know that yeah. kind of thing. Like, yeah, did their name change through no, <laughs> <to> the novel? <laughs> has, has that man become a woman? You know, all yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. So yeah, it's hard because you're, you're saying to your kids, "Can you just take your cheese slices yeah. away <laughs> for a second, leave. so I can finish?" this chapter and they're like no no no, I need you to find my sneakers or whatever so it's really yeah it's tricky because you're right there physically but your head's not there so yeah yeah so that was my week really so Ian you've got uh, and this is some life information you have a newborn a little little human yeah that's right how has that disrupted your life I mean or enhanced it I mean <laughs> obviously obviously <laughs> look it's, it's been I'll needless to say there's been a fair bit of change so you know 15 weeks old uh, little Bowie so yeah you hardly yeah, see cool me name. these days yeah. really cool name yeah, yeah. We've, I think we've grown very distant after the kid I feel like I've been replaced you know I Joel yeah you were my first child apparently <laughs> uh, and now but you've grown up now and you have to leave home yeah yeah now like Joel, you can't sleep in the crib. You're not looking enough. <laughs> oh goodness! Um, so you know, it's a, it, that didn't happen. Well, but no, it's it's a it's been a busy time. And, you know, we're kind of just uh, yeah, you're just and you know, I've managed to get away to write a little bit. Um, on, I'm writing on the bus a bit these days. That's kind of fun. I think the, I've been drafting a new story, and I've got to say, mm. I think it's some of the worst drafting I've done. Wow. I'm like, I'm just going to keep going because you know. Why, why do you think that is? Hiatus or just like. No, look, what? I just figure extreme it's extreme tiredness. Yeah, probably. it's just mm. trying to keep on, and also just on the bus. I swear, like the typos are racking up. But basically, I got thirty-five thousand words in. And I'm like, okay, and now they're going to start their adventure. And I was like, yeah, they're gonna yeah, maybe, that. maybe, yeah, <laughs> gonna have to do a little editing. That inciting incident. That is Oof. incredible. Thirty-five thousand words. Oh yeah, that's... I mean they've done something, but I'm like, and now they begin. to That's build. like my <laughs> entire novel by that stage. Yeah. That's incredible. No, it looks... that is my entire novel. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. But that is the entire last novel I wrote. So yes, uh, wow, that's. That I've gone around in circles a bit. I've, I recognize that. But you know what? I kind of figure it's good to just keep practice. So, you know, keep on going. Yeah. But that del- whole post-baby thing, it's actually, it's a real, it, I mean, it sounds counterintuitive, but you're so tired that you yeah. start to hallucinate and you actually do get more creative because, you know, I've got bursts of time mm. yeah. between, you know, when the baby's awake and they're asleep and I've got to get stuff out. And mm. you just sort of, you know, you just well, write. Well, people always say that Stephen King did his best writing when he was high all the time. Um, yep. So there you go. Maybe there's some truth to that. It's true. Different kind of high. High on life. (laughs) And child services, high on life. High on high on life. Very much life. I mean life. Life. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Public liability. It's been discharged. Let's go. Let's move on to the media section, shall we? Let's talk about the things we've been watching, the things we've been loving or hating. Mm. Ian, start us off. Yeah, well, I um, I managed to get it. We actually had two people offer to babysit uh, consecutively, so I got to it see two me. movies. Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't you. I got to see <laughs> the Avengers somehow, like you know, three months after it came out. So that was that was that was a good fun. Yeah, um, and also got to see uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, right. was it good? I'm yeah, actually, dying really to good. See that. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it's the plot, whatever. But you know, it's like, the falling out of stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> the that, that's what you're there for. Tom yeah. Cruise falling, <laughs> yeah, falling out, out of stuff. Okay. Yeah. And you're also there for Tom Cruise finding an excuse to run hell for leather at some stage. He's just got to do it, right? Yeah. He's just got to 
I love I love the Tom it's Cruise run. Cool. It's the robot Terminator Two. Um, it's yeah, so yeah. Good. And it's, he doesn't like for some reason he's like fifty six he and he's got no jowls. No. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. you know how when you see some people run on screen, you just go, "Ooh!" You know, his whole yeah. face is moving yeah, from no. side to side, but he's like chiseled. I think it has to have something to do with like the Cloud Atlas turning humans into glue to keep you young, kind of thing. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's a spoiler for Cloud Atlas. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah. I reckon it could be just to do with you know all that all that cleansing through Scientology. I'm sure that's. Probably I'm sure it has a great effect on your I'm sure. health. Yeah, <laughs> going, your skin he's gone clear. Yeah. Um. So maybe, but yeah. Look, I really enjoyed that, and um, it was just it was just a fun romp. I mean, the first Mission Impossible still has by far the best plot. Oh, um, I mean, you know. the whole the whole Mission Impossible movies are just man in the hole stories, right? You put a man yeah. in the hole and hope he gets out at the end of the story. Yeah. And it's so compelling, even though technically there's really nothing to it, right? right. But they're just so entertaining. So the only thing I know about the new film, and I haven't seen it yet, mm. which I intend to, is the bit where Henry Cavill re- reloads yeah. his fist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pumps his fist. <laughs> yeah. That was Does really that great. actually happen? Yeah. Or was that just in the yeah, trailer? Yeah, it was great. They're, 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 they're fantastic action sequence, that bit. I mean, okay. part robotic? No, he's just buff. There's there's a scene, oh, there's a scene okay. when he does this like weird fist Wax. thing, and yeah. there's a re- like a reloading gun sound. Yeah, oh yeah. wow! It's re- no, it's just really good. He, that would be handy to have. Yeah, yeah no, I won't give any in real life. You know, <laughs> be I'm no about spoilers, to hit you now. Yeah. Here we go. But um, it, moving from movies to books, though, two books that I managed to read um, while holding a baby at three a.m. Uh, were um, I read Jurassic Park and The Lost World, um, oh. which I hadn't read before, and I cannot recommend them highly enough. Yeah, they are just great. Like, uh, The Lost World is nowhere near as good as Jurassic mm. Park. It's like the movie. Yeah. Jurassic Can I just Park ask is, who wrote The Lost World? Uh, Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton. Oh, also, okay. Also created ER and I know, uh, but Westworld. I, did he, wasn't The Lost World the recent movie? I'm no, sorry, I'm that just was confused. the um, Lost Kingdom. For, lost, yeah. Because uh, I was thinking Michael Crichton, Crichton yeah, talking marks, Michael Crichton, but it was the real Michael Crichton. It was, it was oh, real okay. Michael Crichton, This yeah. is one of the earlier ones. Okay. Well, yeah, what yeah. I discovered from his books is that they steal little bits of, like there's some extra yes. dinosaurs. They steal a little bit of that dinosaur stuff for each movie. Yeah. Okay. Hold something back. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, like um, it's the MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah, ah, but the first right. the first book is just superb. It's an easy read. I mean, I, I hate the concept of beach reads, but it is that kind of thing. And uh, just gripping the way he writes, suspense is fantastic. Um, yeah, and then the Lost World was just actually the movie was better than the book in terms of what it does, but like it, it's still so well written, and I really enjoyed it. So. Well, the thing about the movie of The Lost World is just that it's a tighter narrative, right? You mm. you just you focus on the main things of the story, whereas I think the book meanders a lot, right? The book does a bit, and, and it's le- there's less people. They don't send some big force there to capture the dinosaurs and take them back to the mainland. That's yeah. not the premise of the plot. The the premise is quite different, and like he does bring, uh, you know, the, the way that he does it is, is interesting, but I, I still really enjoyed some of the key action sequences which they took into um, The Lost World, the movie, that was still there, and yeah, it was just really well done, but... Jurassic Park, the book, I really recommend to anyone who's out there who's wanting to just to read a book which has great suspense. It's yeah. fantastic. And if, uh, pardon me while I nerd out of a story a little bit. There's a scene in the first Jurassic Park movie, and tell me if this is in the book because I mm. do plan to read the book very soon based on your recommendation. Yeah. But So there's a scene in the in the book where Ian Malcolm's character, who's, yeah. who's like a stand-in for Michael Crichton, yeah, as yeah, you've told yeah. me, yeah. Um, is talking about him. chaos theory yeah. to Laura Dern in the Jeep mm. while um, yeah. Sam Neill wants to get out of the Jeep to the, run to the Triceratops. Mm. I think that scene in in film, but in literature, you can learn so much about character building within that like one minute of that scene mm. where um, where uh, Ian Malcolm uh, is, is talking um, to Laura Dern mm. and he's explaining his philosophy of life but also explaining his personality in just a in just a perfect kernel of story. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's really good filmmaking. I like in Jurassic Park for years and years because I'm about 100 years older yeah. than you guys. But like I remember, I think, in that there were a lot of digressions into actual science. Yes. yes. So, and and that's the, why, you know, they're distilling yeah. all that into that one line in the movie. Brilliant. And when you're a amazing. kid, yeah. that's the most boring part of the film. Yeah. And when you're an adult, that's the most interesting part of the film. Yeah, like you want more of that yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I did end up like skimming through some of his rants because I'm like, yes, yes, Michael, I get it. I got that already three pages ago. He was like a Harvard PhD. But look, that was that's true. What was fantastic, though, the other thing that I've been thinking about um, is actually a very different movie. Sure. I've been thinking, and I, I'm going to watch it again, uh, is Hook, Steven Spielberg. Oh, yes. I haven't seen that for you. With um, Ro- Ro- Robin Williams, Robin Dustin Hoffman. Um, yeah, great Dustin Hoffman movie. played the captain. Yeah, yep. that's right. And, yeah. and so, so good. Um, and uh, Tinkerbell is played by Angela, no, no Julia Roberts. Julia, Julia Roberts. Roberts. Yeah, yeah, with a funny wig. Yeah, yeah exactly. So just And a, tiny. Yeah. yeah, tiny. And it's just a. I, I got to thinking about it, and I was re listening to the soundtrack, John Williams' soundtrack. Now, oh, I hate to say it, but yeah. I got to analyzing it, <laughs> and I was thinking, actually, I think the plot of, of Hook is quite brilliant in terms of the stakes, right? So, hear me out on this. Here we go. The, the Peter Pan, the one thing that mattered to him was that he couldn't, was that he didn't lose his youth, right? He didn't lose his yeah. youth. He chose to give it up, and the only way he can get his kids back is to find his youth his again. Youth again. I, yeah. I know it sounds like, when I say it like that, you think, oh, it's really simple. Actually, but the simplicity of it is actually the brilliance of it, I think. And it so, got kind of panned by critics. So, so let's... Really? It got panned by critics? Yeah, I think yeah. it's an amazing film. Check All out right. the Rotten Tomato score. Hmm. Wow. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Goodness me. I, I thought it was it. fantastic. As a kid, I loved it. Yeah, Remember that Rufio well. scene? Oh, Rufio. Rufio. I just loved <laughs> so much about it. Anyway, sorry, you were going to say. But, okay, so t- if I were to put you on the spot, give me the story question of this. Oh, yeah, what if Peter Pan grew up? There we go. That's the story question. We, mm. we were talking about story questions before we started. Yeah. Every great story has to be able to be boiled down to a story question. And it's so simple. What if Peter Pan grew up? That's great. I love that movie. Yeah. It's great. And also, like, you start with a baseball scene mm. and then they, they have a game of baseball later on. And, like, they just, the whole thing works really well. I think. So, so when I watched that as a kid, mm. uh, no one told me it was a Peter Pan movie. Oh really? So I was I started the movie obviously knowing about Peter Pan and, and he thought, Peter. hey, and I was like, this is obviously not a Peter Pan movie. My yeah. brother just put this on and it's a Robin Williams movie, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then it turned out it was Peter Pan, and that was mind blowing to me. I thought yeah. it was so cool. Yeah, I think actually what I what I think back is I I recognize one of the most elated moments I ever had in cinema was the moment that um, he remembers what made him happy. Yeah, and he, and he yeah, 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 and he and he flies. You're like, oh my god! And I still remember the emotion I felt as a kid watching that so mm. anyway just a, i think a brilliant movie and so possibly one of the greatest 90s what are your views movies. on the casting though of that film robin williams I, I don't remember anything apart from robin williams and dustin hoffman like, did you think it all kind of worked really well as or? a kid i, I, no I thought it was so lovely I, I, i'm completely biased by nostalgia what yeah did you same think? i don't know i just kind of thought would would peter pan look like this Mm. Would he be like yeah. this? Yeah, w- would he be like Robin Williams is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was my one. Yeah, I remember yeah. watching it and thinking, would he be this way? Mm. Like, would he have this family and this life? That's yeah. the only thing mm. I was a bit curious about. I think that's a really interesting question because we do this a lot, right? We do prequels or sequels or whatever of established characters. Like, mm. I mean, the most e- mm. example right now is Han Solo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, do we really want to know? I see that. Neither yeah, I, neither yeah, I. I think I just Do you know anyone who saw it? No. Probably not. I know one person. I think I know one person. Yeah. Sorry. Probably some stuff, right? But it's scary, right? Like, do you want to know what this person is when they grow up and stuff like that? It's kind of interesting because we're going to have this thing again with the Christopher Robin movie that's Mm. out, I think, now. Which is, again, about um, Christopher Robin growing up um, and then then revisiting his his childhood. So, I think these are perennial story questions, but... I'm sure well, it won't land for everyone. I guess it's the... Br- Sorry. No, no, you go ahead. 
I guess it's the brilliant thing, like that Toy Story. I mean, I know they're making another Toy Story, but the latest really? Toy Story movie. Yeah, they are. The latest Toy Story movie. The the most emote. Has everyone seen the latest one? When I finished, was it Toy Story three or four? I can't remember. Four. Where the cowgirl was. Um. No. When they. When like he's about no, to. Two, he's gone off yeah. to college. Andy's. Oh, gone that's off right. To and he's like tried to give his toys away or something. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. They went to the I've kindergarten. Yeah. The there. Yeah, and at the end, talk about the holding hands scene. Yeah, and at the end, he's, he's holding hands and playing with the toys again, and, and you're just like, oh my god, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I no, I actually did cry. So I know yeah. you did because you're just like, holy did. crap. I mean, Pixar. If there's one thing they do, it's the tugging on the heartstrings. I they just, are fantastic. Yeah, little manipulative, fantastic. <laughs> stupid, stupid <laughs> up in its first five minutes. We had someone at uh, at my workplace who hadn't seen it, and I was <laughs> and like, they're right. Right? And we were like, oh yeah, it's a great movie. The whole thing is fantastic. Like, it's ages. <laughs> so in. happy. We, we've totally set her up for like. So were you just <laughs> watching? Right <laughs> now, broke down and cried. Yeah, we've yeah. set her up for a blubber fest in the first five minutes. But yeah, yeah that's an, ex- an extreme example of just the way that they can uh, pull a story together so well. Um, and just really tug on your heartstrings. But yeah, anyway, I, I going back to Hook, I just was really interested thinking about it and thinking about what I loved about it. As a child, it did everything I could ever want in a movie. Yep. I, yeah, I but agree. we were talking about this before. I mean, it's like revisiting, yeah. you know, picture books from when you were little and yep. you know, that whole, not that we want to talk about high literary fiction, but <laughs> you know how like there was that whole controversy about To Kill a Mockingbird, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, how yeah. you shouldn't maybe revisit, you know, yeah. like, Somebody's Prequels. unpublished work. Yeah, because mm. it it just yeah. like completely changes your whole view of what that yeah, exactly. first story was, you know. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it, yeah. Well, I know a lot of people who bought um, to go see the Watchmen. I don't know mm. if I know too many people who actually read it necessarily. I, I know. Yeah, I know it sounds weird. Well, they probably won't come out with actual comments on it because yeah. Yeah. just stay silent. Like you heard a lot of hype. But how much did you hear about it afterwards? The the it's really strange because I find that situation kind of, and I don't want to get too much into mm. this, but but at the same time, it is interesting to look at, right? You you kind of wonder where where she was in her life mm. and whether she was making the decisions to publish that story yeah. mm. and who took a th- the authorial voice away from her if mm. that did happen yeah. mm. and in case that they did publish something that was the first work mm. that had been re-edited and rejigged to be To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. To then just put something out that kind of destroys that, I don't know. It, it, yeah, didn't, it just mucks around with It the really legacy. felt quite... Um, improper to me but that was just my take on it but yeah. also the whole thing about you know let's just rush it out you know after mm. she dies it's like yeah. well uh, you maybe might have asked her before you know she mm. actually did pass yeah that this was something she wanted so you have to wonder whether something that's incomplete is better than just not mm. you know? yeah um and i mean at least with someone like say stig larson's work which was published posthumously you know yep. like they edited it they made it you know it, it, the whole thing and it became the girl with the dragon tattoo and, and, and it felt respectful right Where, yeah. whereas in this one i yeah yeah, just kind of getting it out there. It's it's. We found something in a lockbox. Let's <laughs> quick rush it out to. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Like, if you find something in a lockbox, is it? I guess it's that tension of do you want to share it with the world and say, look, this is this is what it is. It's the it's the way you do it. It's the intent, isn't it? I, mm. I guess, and it was hard yeah. to tell what the intent was there. And the Steve yeah. Larson thing's interesting because you know he's you know his series lives on, mm. but it's quite clear it's not him writing it. It's somebody else writing. Yeah. Because you know there is this trend nowadays. The yeah. author's dead, but. Yep. They keep on putting stuff out, or their their estate does. Yeah, that we're we're losing the idea of authorial intent in that way. Now, where yeah, sorry, no, no, go for it. Think about a classic example of that. Of course, the Wheel of Time series. Now, I only ever Oof. read the first book of the Wheel of Time. I'm trying to remember. I think Luke might have read a few more of them. I th- I think I can't remember, but there are others who've read a lot. Have you ever read any of the Wheel Is this of Time Robert series? Jordan? Yes, yeah, Robert Jordan. Yeah, I read. I think one or two. I read in the one. Beginning. I think I started like the first two paragraphs of number two and I was like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this again. 
Um, but that was finished, of course. Brandon Sanderson, right? Apparently, really well. Oh, yes. did he? Did he finish yeah. them? Okay. And I've heard Brandon Sanderson's a fantastic writer. So that's, is yeah, that that's the Mistborn guy? Because I think I've got that at home. I've got his trilogy at home. Yes, 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 yep. yes, yes. Okay. Mm. Yeah, and I've, yeah. Oh, I've only that's heard interesting. Good I didn't know that. that. So, like, is it in the fine print that he I've took no over? Idea. Or, okay. I, it's in. It's with Brand. I think they finished. They say with Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that, that was interesting because um, Gamel, David Gamel's um, famous series, the Draenei series or the Troy series. So he passed away near the end of the last book. So it pretty much was fin- uh, unfinished. Mm. And his wife, who's a journalist and also a writer, finished it. Stella Gamel, mm-hmm. and she's a fantastic writer in her own right. And yet. I think that was one of the best examples of not putting a different voice in the book, but because she knew his voice so mm. well, yeah. I kid you not, read that book and try and find a difference. Yep. Yeah, right. It is, it it's is like remarkable. It's okay. Yeah, it, it really is But that's a really hard to do. That's exactly. Thing, you know, like VC Andrews, like she's still, you know, she died mm. decades ago mm. and she's still putting out stuff. You know, this, it's just mm. a weird trend. Yeah. You know, yeah. that people go for the brand rather than the voice. Yeah. It's like, I know mm. those books, so I'll just keep reading it because it's by that person, yep. even though they're not there anymore. So, yeah. Well, we all love the Hardy Boys. Sorry. Yeah. Do we? <laughs> no, well, I don't know. <laughs> I used to. Trixie, Trixie, I used time to. Ago, I Tracy loved it. Bell. Trixie Bell. Trixie Bell. I've got all of them yeah. just about. So, there yeah. we go. See? Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the Hardy Boys so much until I realized that every story was the exact <laughs> same thing. Exactly. And then I was like, Yeah, that that moment when you realize it, where you go, Hang on, it's formulaic. Yeah. Then you just go, I can't read them anymore. And then you see all these images yeah. <laughs> and it only takes one time and then that's it's it's like um it's like uh you leave the matrix right i think that's what it <laughs> yeah. is with, with i've just unplugged i remember yeah. i was about 13 maybe i was 12 13 and i'd read like five in a row and then suddenly i'm like hold on a second wow it took you that long smugglers Oof. kidnapping <laughs> Could Wait, what? <laughs> oh my goodness and then i'm like okay yeah i'm done yeah there so. you go well, but that was it took yeah, it probably took me sixty four books before I went. I'm done. So, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. So, I think I finished the whole series, yeah, and exactly. then I was like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they're like up to hundred and eighty yeah. now or something. So yeah, really? No, no. I mean, yeah. I think I'm exaggerating, but no, yeah, no. more than more than where I left it. There's there's more. Well, Nancy Drew as well, right? So I mean, all those Nancy Drew, Nancy yeah, Drew, yeah. even more epic than that. With the perky, seven, perky red hair. Yeah, yeah. Secret right. Seven, uh, Famous Five. Yep, Five Find Outers, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That was quite the tangent from uh, <laughs> from uh, from Hook. I from think. Hook. Yeah. There we go. Rebecca, what have you been watching? Anything particularly uh, apart from eventful? Apart from the news and sort of getting sad and appalled, you know, by Doesn't the Doesn't that hour. just happen regularly, though, when you watch the news? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you probably can, you know, interchangeably put in a royal commission or something. Mm. And, yeah, you know, yeah, It's pretty much the same Insert outcome. government thing. Um, yeah. But haven't really... I've Like, I've... I've been reading a few, um, yeah, really different things like the trauma cleaner. Have you heard about that? No. So that was um, a person who started off. No, it's a it's a memoir. Oh. So a person who started off life as Peter became Mm -hmm. Sandra and cleans up basically after murders and suicides. So that was pretty fascinating. Um, And that's I think based in Melbourne. So um, that was who's that by? uh, Sarah Krasnerstein, and I think her sister or her cousin. I'm not sure about the family connection, but she runs twelfth. Planet Press. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. So, there you go. Yeah, but it's good. It's, I mean, she's a criminal lawyer, the, yep. the person who wrote that. So, yeah, that was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting when you see a person who obviously has a lot of um, information about the subject that they're writing on and mm. you just kind of pick it, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it's like uh, the Dilbert comic series and yes. you realize that Scott Adams worked in a place that was very much like that. Yeah. Oh, I was So, I'm reading a, a book... Um, where the main character is an accountant. I know everyone just went asleep, um, but it's a it's a fantasy book where yeah. the main character is not like a sword wielding badass, but an accountant. 
pen wielding. A pen wielding yeah. badass. That's unreal though. Like you and know, that's great. so against expectation. And it's so good. She's such a great character. So urban fantasy. No, so it's it's proper high fantasy stuff. Wow. Um it, it's and you've called, got an accountant in it. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, the main character. It's economical fantasy is what people are calling so it. So how do you really like good. make the seek from, you know, the normal everyday business? background to the high fantasy it's, how does that I, I have no idea i would love to talk to the author and ask him like you know how how did you get this information because it feels like he obviously worked mm. in it yeah and, then, yeah, and yeah. then like knew his field you you're giving me a smile here. No, maybe you're, i don't know just, i can sense something maybe he enjoyed being an accountant but he decided that you know his days in that profession were numbered so, <laughs> God, that wasn't Ooh, bad. That was, but I, I am interested. I still laughed. No, so sorry. That was good. I know no puns. On I've the been podcast. around you too long. I knew it was coming. Yeah, I yeah. shouldn't have asked the question. Yeah, you, were, you were wincing before you yeah. even said the word. So yeah. But that's, yeah. that's interesting though. Like an accountant in high fantasy, but the traitor Baru. It sounds Comrade. like it sounds yeah. like that should be a Terry Pratchett kind of thing. You know, absolutely. Would fit well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Discworld book. If it was, a, yeah, if it was a, pa- <laughs> a parody or satire. Exactly I mean, right. it's great. We get Ben McKenzie and Elizabeth Flux to talk about how they could make an economical fantasy book. Um, I also just have to recommend one more thing. Sorry, I've, I've Go for forgotten. Uh, that uh, I also read an unedited or light, very lightly edited account of the D-Day landings um, oh. from first-hand oh. account. Wow. Um, and it was one of the more, most interesting things I've ever read. Uh, extremely brutal um, yeah. and depressing to read about the, the failures of multiple units and what was recorded by the one survivor or whatever. But uh, yeah, I stumbled across it through the most random Reddit rabbit hole I've ever been down. I did tweet it, and about three people liked it, I think. But <laughs> yeah. it's it's brilliant. Like uh, it was, and and then I looked and I didn't realize that it was from the Atlantic, but it was published in 1960. The article that I was reading. Wow. So probably about you know fifteen sixteen years after it happened. Yeah, exactly. So that's the, and wow. no one had what had happened is that everything that was written about D Day pretty much has been taken from secondary sources mm. who yeah. kind of jazzed up and played up the heroism and the, course, yeah. the luck and the the heroes of D Day yeah, yeah, yeah. as opposed to those who the, the primary Slogged sources. up the beach. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, or in this case, ground. That happens. So many yeah. of them, and it was just it was so brutal to read. But I was gripped. I was absolutely gripped. And very long read. Um. So highly recommend if you just Google um D Day landings first hand account the. Atlantic, yeah. um, you'll find it. Anyway. See, tweet a GIF, in, you'll get plenty of retweets. <laughs> I know, tweet a really interesting article. I three swear. people like you it. You get three time. people. That's every right. time. There we go. It's fine. Doesn't that just make you sad? Basically, my premise in life is to make you hate social media because every time you're so positive about it, it annoys me. Look, and it just that, annoys me. I know that GIFs get all the traction. Ah, it's just how it is, you know. <sighs> and I know whenever I drop something about writing, people are like, eh, whatever. <laughs> So give us a cat thing. Yeah, yeah. Cat, cat thing. Cat. I don't care about your new series of books. Cat. Give us a cat. 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 Yeah. So it's all I hear is people shouting cat. Yeah. So, you know, that's fine. You know what should have been a cat gift but instead got made into a movie mm. is the segue is really bad, is a movie that I watched recently called Geostorm with right. Jared Butler. Uh, Can we talk about this train wreck? Oh, Geostorm. Right. I remember that. It's like the, the satellites. It has a Geostorm oh. in it. Does in, he get weirdly. his abs out? No, I was very disappointed. Yeah, you're so like, why are you like, fully clothed throughout Why is Jared Butler in this movie <laughs> without his shirt off? I don't understand. No, so I love Jerry Butler, even though he's been in basically every bad movie I've seen in the last five years. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, look, Geostorm, a movie <laughs> where they build metal belts around the earth. That <laughs> sounds the like, yes. Oh. Goodness. And how they keep the weather under control. And you watch this by choice? Yes. There's no gunpoint involved? My mouth is open the whole movie. How, not... how does the metal stay up there? I, I don't know. 
They, they, they build, never explain that. They build satellites okay, that click together like Lego, like Lego like blocks. Lego. Lego. Okay, and it Lego. keeps the weather in. Yeah, and it, it like modulates wow. the matter. It says like, I feel like sun today, and they're like sun, and then they feel like clouds. There's so many things wrong with you what know. You it's just such <laughs> a <laughs> stupid premise. But the thing is, there's a lot of fantasy and science fiction that that doesn't make yeah, a lot I of mean, sense. Yeah, I mean that whole suspension sure. of disbelief mm. thing. You've really got to do. You've that got to work with it this well. Movie probably. Yeah. This movie, you go in, you lose that moment at the start of the film <laughs> where they're like, "Guys, we have this huge problem. We've ruined the Earth," and everyone's like, "Oh, we're totally into this story." And then like, so we built a ring of satellites around the Earth, and it covers every square mile. And I was like, "I'm out." How does yeah? How do you breathe? I'm like, what? I'm out. Show me some ads. Where's this going? Yeah, and it's this really awkward. Some I'm gonna spoil the movie. The whole point Please. is there's a bunch Please of do, yeah. we probably really see it. really good actors in this film. Yeah. Andy Garcia is in it. Wow. Andy Garcia. Ed Harris is in it. Oh, really? Ed Harris. I, okay. Anyway. Oh my god. So sorry, Ed I'm Harris to parrot you. Did they this... have mortgages to pay off at that point? No, I don't know. I, I don't know. They needed yeah. the money, I guess. But so. Yeah. So Ed Harris is in this movie, and he's the villainous Secretary of Defense in America, who's trying to blow up half the planet, oh. <laughs> including the president, to get elected. Oh, oh but there's a belt around the world, yeah. so if you blow up half the planet, what happens to the other half? Oh, oh, it becomes it becomes like a, 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 a <laughs> nuclear winter, or yeah. you know, decimated forest, or the president. Yeah. Yeah. I can't oh. get through this review. Um, it's really bad. Okay. Nobody I might watch avoid it. this one, sorry. Thank Nobody watch it. Life's too short. Yeah, yeah life, life is, is too short. short. Especially when you build a ring of... Yeah. <laughs> Satellites around the planet. Oh, well. Yeesh. Jeez, anyway. Well, I better scratch that as the concept for my next novel. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about those belts. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. Oh, well. Man. Anyway, so that was a disaster of a movie. Mm. And I didn't mean that to be a pun. Um, oh, I thought you were going to go for it. Um, but yeah, so Geostorm, absolutely just the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And then I watched Dunkirk. Oh, um, oh. And wow. And I, I hadn't seen Dunkirk. I see Luke giving me the uh, the head nod of like, I didn't really, yeah, it yeah. Didn't really push my buttons. Loved I loved Dunkirk. it. Loved it. I loved it. Did it's you, so good. Did you see it in the cinema though at all? No, I didn't. I, I was oh. really, I can tell. Yeah. That was a movie to see in the movies. It, it'll right? get, I'm sure it'll get replayed at some stage in the movies. I oh, I have to go. Yeah, you'd have to IMAX it, have I reckon. That one? No, I haven't. It's, I, I really yeah, it's worth to. it. We, we arrived a little bit late as well, unfortunately. So we kind of ran in. But it was kind of cool in a way that we came in not knowing exactly what was happening. We were probably about five minutes into it. But, man, it was good. And just, like, the the sound. The, oh. the, there, is, like, there are very few films that manage to get sound and... And atmosphere, right? Like Gravity was a great film because of sound. Yeah. Oh, that was incredible! Yeah. 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 Did you do you watch yeah, Gravity yeah. in the cinema? I did see that. Yeah, oh, I was. Yeah. Uh, that's Amazing. the one movie where I was like, oh, I actually got to the cinema to watch a movie that was made for it, kind yeah, of a yeah, thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, it worked really well, and I think Dunkirk. There's. <laughs> I was about to say I don't want to spoil the story. Um, mm. So there's. <laughs> yeah. A bit the, hard. Yeah. yeah. A bit hard too. The, the, there's a lot of filmmaking in this film, mm. right? Like proper good yeah, set cinemat- up the shot yeah. panning you know, yeah. and all yeah. these long shots with no cuts in between yep. I'm just scratching my head being like that's insane mm. how did you do that yep. there's the scenes in the cockpit of the spitfire when you can hear the sound the clicks and yep. and the, the feeling that you get that these cockpits are these little tubes of death mm. where because they were incredibly cramped aircraft like yep. very rarely do you have an aircraft that crammed mm. um it's one mm. of the reasons it works so well, but like, man, 
So really immersive. Yeah, like you it felt just like you got were in, you there. in there. Yeah. And obviously, it's a movie where Tom Hardy has something on his face again. But like, Ooh. oh, did he? Yeah, he did. He had the like, oh, really? yeah. thing because he had something shot off. Or no, 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 because you know the oh, they're the, wearing that yeah, gear yeah. Okay. stuff. Um, so like again, he'll Ooh. never be in a. I mean, yeah. now he's in Venom with an alien on his face. Oh, lovely! So. <laughs> he just keeps doing it. Yeah, it's fine. There but yeah, a great movie, and I think Christopher Nolan's still the standout. Oh, he shot it out of the park. I'm I'm very impressed. Um, shall we move on to some some more yep. writing stuff, shall mm. we? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Rebecca, one of the reasons we, we got you on was to talk about um, the stuff that we really care about and the idea of, like, myth and fantasy and applying that to kids' lit. And that is something that I think should be talked about more. Mm. Um, so, let, let's start this off the bat. What was the, like... When you went in and you're like, I'm going to write a children's novel, I guess this talks about the inspiration of ideas right like and how you get ideas but also why why the push for mythology there um i mean it's a question for you too joel like Mm. when you were growing up did you see people like you in books uh, I didn't know what I was, so yes, all the time. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, it's for me. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, when you're a kid, you can't y- articulate, yeah, exactly. you know, like you're mm. reading stuff and yeah. you're thinking, I'm trying to extrapolate stuff out of this. Sure. But I think you get to this point, like the Hardy Boys point, where you go, there's something a bit wrong with everything <laughs> yeah, that right, I'm reading. Yeah. See, the thing is, I was way too, l- I had no self-awareness. I was like, I'm the Hardy Boys <laughs> in yeah. every way. Yeah, see, the Hardy Boys thing, I could never say I'm the Hardy Boys. Yeah. But, you know, like you kind of, you kind of like just think, yeah, I'm a cool Californian kid who exactly. solves mysteries with yep. my sibling, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. But there's one point, like I think you reach, and that's why, like I started reading sure. fantasy sci-fi, because I thought it's so much more inclusive fantasy and yeah. sci-fi, even no. though it's got you know problematic tropes, the booby women, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. As a kid, you kind of go, well, it's okay if you don't have a human body; you can still yeah. have an adventure. And so, like with kids' books, I was reading, I'd, I'd read them all at the library and work through the shelves, mm. work through mythology, work through fable, mm. and you can see that there's different cultures out there. Mm. But it's not reflected in your children's novels yeah. that mm. are written in English. So, yeah. um, for me, that idea bubbled away for a long time, and I've never actually um, consciously tried to write, you know, Asian fantasy sure. because you know when you start out as well, you don't want to be boxed in by mm. people's expectations. Oh, she just writes Asian stories, yeah. right? Because yeah, she's yeah. Asian. Yeah. So, um, for me, being a migrant kid, like I thought. I don't want to be boxed in like a lot of people are. Well, you're a migrant, so we just expect migrant stories from you. And so for me, like fantasy sci-fi is really liberating because you can just do whatever you bloody well want to. It Mm -hmm. doesn't really matter where you come from. You can just be a brain. You can still pilot a ship, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, I've only really, after like, this is the 18th book I've written for kids and young adults. I've actually said, you know what? I've done enough weird, freaky stuff mm. now that if I want to write an Asian story with Asian characters in it, mm. go, you know, I can full do what woo-woo I want. martial yeah. arts, <laughs> yeah. I can bloody well do it. Yeah. You know, like, try and box me in now. I've done other stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so that's kind of, yeah, that's the impetus for this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, we've talked to many authors about that idea of um, looking at what you were reading when you were a kid, right? And mm. I've asked you these questions as well, Ian, but in, in mm. the idea that, a lot of your writing, you know, looking mm. at, I, I'm, again, I'm putting you on the spot with the Inspector Ambrose stuff, but, That's like, <laughs> it was born out of that looking at voices that you cared about as a kid as well, right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, what you what you read sits you up for what you write, and um, I think talk about finding our literary voice, as we did earlier. You yeah. know, I, I, I was... <laughs> that yeah. sounds very, very noble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know. I'm not sure I've found mine yet, yeah. but anyway. No, I'm well, still looking. But, you know, you start out, you start out writing... Um, 
writing uh, someone that you love, I think. And so yeah. I started out writing C.S. Lewis. Um, yep. Absolutely. You know, and that there's was a huge influence. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, but finding actually who you are in the middle of that. I mean, do you, do you think there was a big influence in your work when you started writing that was kind of, that came through at the very start of your writing journey? Yeah, I mean... You know, like I read, you know, C.S. Lewis, um, sure. the Tolkien books, um, yeah, yeah. you know, a little bit of George R. R. Martin now and all that yep. kind of stuff as well. But um, I think for me, unfortunately, like, one, I'm female. So, like, you mm. know, the stuff I was reading in the 70s and 80s, oh, I yeah. mean, literally the women were like slaves, prostitutes, and you've yeah. got no choices, right? Yeah, yeah. Or they have to dress up as men to actually get out of the castle and do yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, for me, I think a lot of the fantasy sci-fi, one, you kind of think, well, it's a more expansive canvas than the mm. kids' books I'm looking at. But mm. also, I also wrote in the negative. Like, for me, yeah. like, a lot of the time I'm having a conversation with, you know, the canon that I've sure. been presented with. Mm. And so, if I'm mm. seeing you know, weak, subservient female characters or whatever, yeah. I'm going to mm. deliberately write against that. Yep. So yep. for me, a lot of it is like, you know, if, if people's perceptions, for example, of angels are fluffy, gentle and kind, mm. let's go the ones who are sort of, you know, tipping over onto possibly mm. being a bit demonic or being a little bit sort of sociopathic mm. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. for yep. me, like fantasy writing is like a way of, one, entering the conversation, and but also pushing, yeah. you know, pushing against tropes and pushing yeah. against stereotype. Yeah, absolutely. And so... Let, let's dig into that a bit as well. So mythology, I suppose, uh, mythology has threads that keep repeating itself through the mythos. Like, And when we talk about cliches, we talk about archetypes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, A lot of that is based in, in mythology, right? How did you, what was that journey like? Because there is a lot of mythology that is specific to the culture as well. How did you go about... Um, deconstructing that for kids as well for people well, like me who maybe i i know very little about it and then i'm reading it and i'm like oh yeah i can get these things yeah i mean i think with mythology and fable and you know things like angels demons all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff it's like common to lots of cultures sure. around the globe and obviously it's it's us the, the early versions of us trying to work out exactly yeah. what the hell is going on how does stuff work like mm-hmm. why why does the sun shine every morning all that kind establishing of establishing the world yeah, yeah that kind of thing so i mean it has a lot of fable and mythology has like is such a basis for fantasy sci-fi mm-hmm. writing because it's all that stuff about you know us against the cosmos you know yeah. what does it all mean mm-hmm. how do we actually stand up to all this stuff and how do we deal with fate and you know why does this keep happening to me so um mm. i think you know that's why a lot of kids sort of do start off with you know fable and mythology Gravitate, when they're yeah. younger because it's all very black and white it's sort of you know there's baddies there's goodies and you can kind of yeah. sort of work out stuff from that and then you know yeah it's it's fun now to sort of take that apart and say to children maybe it wasn't literally the truth you know like yeah. people don't necessarily literally come back from the dead or you know whatever yeah. not that i'm saying anything you know uh, <laughs> particularly <laughs> controversial no no I'm, i meant actually in the context of egyptian mm. mythology yeah, you know yeah. for um, yeah, for example right. people like yeah. being restored to yep. life and that kind of mm. thing but you can take you know those elements of there are good people there are bad people mm. stuff happens to us for a reason there may not be answers and just play with that yeah mm. it so there was a writer that mentioned this to me and i've, I've always thought of it in that way i think it's really helpful but um, they mentioned that uh, writing fantasy, uh, writing science fiction is asking what if questions. You know, mm. you know, what if AI was like this, or what if we had progressed to this stage? Mm. And fantasy was was asking how come, you know, how come things are like the way it is. So we're able to explore concepts. Really, really deep, deep concepts. concepts. Yeah, like death, life, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, why are some people good? Why are some people yeah. bad? All that kind of stuff. And for children, it's really hard for them to process, like, for example, ABC News 24, right? But yeah. mm. if you actually, like, break it down into yeah, something yeah, yeah. they can work with, you put a bit of action through it, you know, there's, there's like... 
there's moral questions in there for them yes. to unpick, and yeah. it's yeah. it's a really it. I mean, it's a it's an interesting art form because you are taking really big, complex subject matter. Like, for example, for a teen novel I did, mm. um, you know, the Elizabeth Smart case and the mm. Natasha Campush case, like they were coming out at the time I was writing it. Mm. And, like, I remember some librarian read one of my novels and she said, that would never happen to anyone. Why would you have a young woman chained in the basement of someone's house? I find that unbelievable. And then, yep. sorry, then yeah, that, you yeah, know, yeah. the Elizabeth mm. Fritzel thing came out, you know, yeah. like about a week later after it was published. And it was like, this stuff happens, guys. Mm. And so, like, if you're trying to tell... Girls, for example, young women readers, cautionary tales about the world. Yeah. Mm. It's better to not hit them over the head with the Elizabeth Fritzel story, sure. but mm. you can actually weave those kinds of, you know, like those morality tales, those kind of cautionary tales into mm. something that looks like an action adventure. You know, yeah. they don't even know that they're reading about it, but they're learning stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that uh, as a as a child, when you're reading things as well, um, you you understand what's being said to you. you know, I, we, sometimes people don't give kids credit. I think for the perception that you have, but you know, you understand what someone's saying to you um and you know you might understand that uh think about some of the classic stories you read like uh the i'm just trying to think riding on the back of the crocodile across the river yeah yeah, yeah, trying to remember chicken on the back of the crocodile eventually gets eaten by the crocodile you know know this is a story about trusts and about all these issues and you know it's not just a story about a crocodile that's tricking this this animal and you think about some of the other stories you read and and you realize that there are you, I think you realize the messages, but there, there's something really comforting about the understanding of the silliness of something or something. Yeah. It, it, ta- it drops a barrier to mm. understanding a truth. And at the, at the heart of every good story, there's got to be a kernel of truth, yeah. something that you, you can pick up, right? And I, and I think that takes a lot of skill. I think people underestimate the amount of work children's authors have to put into their work to make these stories complex not for any particular reason, but to make it honest, right? Yeah, and also um, to just build layers in and yeah. just sort of like mm. tell kids about the world and how it works and all that kind I'll of stuff. I'll never forget that conversation I had with Andrew McDonald when it, we were talking about his book, Son of Death. You mm. know, it's, it's talking about death, mm. a mm. concept that these kids are just grappling with. Yeah, mortality. And, yeah. you know, kids, yeah. little kids are fascinated by it. You know, like my kid asked me once when she was, I think, about six or seven, if you die, will you come back looking like you in your normal clothes? Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's a bit of a hard question to just answer quickly yeah. you know, in front yeah. of the TV. So, yeah, I mean, kids are really fascinated by these big questions and, you know, children's fiction is one way of, like, trying to, you know, work those things out for yeah. them without doing their heads in with too it, much detail. There's also there's an innocence to kids. I remember um, uh, that I used to lead children's camps uh, when I was a kid and mm. um, uh, when I was a teenager, rather, and um, we had a boy who had a large... Uh, he had a deformity on the side of his face that basically, yeah. like, doubled the size of his head almost. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the... He was sitting there with another couple, couple of kids and one of them said to him, oh, what's with your face? And he said, oh, I was born this way. Oh, cool. And off they went. Yeah, and they know, just sort of continued on, which kind is... Kind of roll yeah. with it, you know? Like, Whereas, most adults will go, oh, my God, oh what my is God. that thing on your head? Yeah. Exactly, right? They're either going to do that or they're going to be like, oh, painful... Yeah, I can't even look at you. I'm going to go oh, talk to that person over there. I know that's the thing. And so kids are really... I mean, they're really resilient and they're really yep. like intuitive and they kind of work yep. stuff out for themselves. And so, you know, that's the thing as well with children's literature. A lot of people go, I just write kids' books. But I mean, there's <laughs> just, it, it, it takes a lot to take all those big concepts and put them in words that kids can understand and engage with and not be bored by. Yeah. Because yeah. you've got to build that fun and that wonder into it as well. So, yeah, absolutely. I Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right about fantasy because it's like such a useful tool to elucidate these big concepts of life and to be able to weave it into story and that's something that i think is a little bit harder these days in in the idea that people are a bit maybe worried or they don't want to push the idea of any particular moral right there's that desire of like oh i 
we really don't want to be telling kids things. Mm. Mm. What do you think about that? Is that like, do you, um, is it a struggle in one way or the other? For me, I mean, you know, I've always got a small political project happening in the background, which is to say, you know, men and women can all do stuff, yeah. um, you mm-hmm. know, and bad stuff happens to good people. Yep. So, I mean, for me, like, I'm not trying to hit you over the head with a moral, but I, sure. I am sort of saying, you know, these are my ethics. Yeah. Um, these are the ethics of my characters. You guys should probably build your own set of ethics as well. It's kind mm. of important, you know, the way you treat people, try and build a bit of empathy. Empathy mm. is really important. So. Yeah. A lot of the time I'll try and build characters who are very unlikable at first. Like people will read this and go, mm. oh, she was nothing like me. I couldn't stand her. She was so ugly and, you know, she just had no friends and I can't believe it. But <laughs> the, thing, the thing with my books is if I can pull a reader who goes, I hate this character. She's such a, you know, what an idiot. I can't yeah. stand her. And then bring them to the end of the story and then they go, I can understand now why she did that Empathy, or why she yeah. was the way she was. I mean, for me, that's kind of the quiet moral in there. If mm. I can bring someone along on the journey mm. and – Get them to walk in someone else's shoes. It's really important. Yeah, that's absolutely. why it's so important uh, for for kids to read uh, stories where they do. Gr- where you, I, I mean, people who read more tend to have build more empathy. Um, it's not necessarily the case, but the, and particularly kind of, in fiction as well. In fiction, yeah, yeah because it it hits you over the head to, to walk a mile in someone's shoes, shoes, I suppose. And what other way can you genuinely step into someone's shoes than by reading a story, you know, and understanding, yeah. oh, this is what it might be like if if, uh, if someone, you know, I talk about someone going through a major life change, you know, it, it, it gets your head kind of turned around. I'm interested as well to, when you mentioned about uh, the fact that in, in fantasy there's uh, there's – it's it's less kind of just uh, white kids running around doing stuff, which is what I read when I was a kid. You know, I read. Um, well, that's what I read as well. Yeah, because yeah. that's what there was. Yeah, right. That's what that's what there yeah. was. And arguably, read. it's sort of still mostly like that. Yeah, yeah. so many just white kids running out doing stuff. And so I think what's uh, what's brilliant is that uh, in fantasy we have a chance to kind of uh, you you can create a world where you ask questions. You kind of make. You can make people more aware. You can ask questions about uh, backgrounds and races and people of different, uh, you know, different abilities. It's it's an interesting environment because the the lens that you look through can be entirely different. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. it doesn't. I may, I might just be off tangent. No, I, no, I, I completely. You agree. can absolutely interrogate stuff that you know. Maybe you can't interrogate in a, you know, so-called normal book for kids. Like in a fantasy mm. novel, anything goes. You know, you can yes. have werewolves up against people up against. And, you mm. know, it's all sort of like an allegory for different, you know, races mm. or different ethnicities yeah. or different faiths or whatever. But it's not hitting you over the head with it. Yeah. It's just saying to the reader, just remember not everybody's like you, but yeah. not hitting everyone over the head with that. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to play with. And and that idea of metaphor and symbolism and meaning is also a really difficult thing to balance out, right? Because it needs to serve the story and the interest of the story very yeah, well. Yeah, like you don't want to have three pages of let me describe to exactly. you what the, yeah. you know. Which, which I think is more evident or you can see that more evidently on screen because you can you can feel what they're trying to do a lot yeah, of the Yeah, it's like time. what you were saying about Jurassic Park, you know, yeah. trying mm. to distill chaos theory into one sentence. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like kids' books. We're trying to tell you about, you know, this particular problem in the real world, yeah. but we're doing it in this chase scene mm. that lasts for like two paragraphs. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it takes a great amount of skill. I remember one of the reasons I never got into, you know, OG Star Trek mm. um, was and, and this is something that was brought up at, uh, at Speculate and a few other places at, when Jay, Jay Christoph mentioned that um, like uh, Star Trek was talking about, you know, green people being mean to blue people is another, you know, mm. emphasis of racism. And that was something that I think I picked up on when I was starting to watch it. 
And yep. I wasn't interested in that idea that I was just mm. like, oh, I'm seeing Star Trek. I just want to see cool planets and stuff. Yeah. And I feel that some episodes did it a lot better than others, yep. where the metaphor was couched really well mm. in the story that you're like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. But when it just felt like... I'm you, just levering an issue in exactly. here for you. Yeah. yeah. Then I could feel that and I could feel that and I'm like, I'm just watching Star Trek. Though. You're pushing my buttons. Yeah. Stop doing that. <laughs> Stop doing this. That's right. It's, it, it, when you feel that, I remember there's an author, Remain Nameless, of contemporary fiction that my wife used to like. To one day she's like, I'm just so sick of her basically going off every single issue. You know, like, uh, you know, <laughs> here's the, the lesbian daughter of small town uh, pastor who's coming oh, home goodness. to have an abortion. Yeah, with yeah. The, and you're like, yeah, yeah, got it. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. You know, we're going contrary. What's contrary. the latest issue? Yeah, Let's exactly. Right. And you, just, you, you layer it up and it was it was really obvious what was being done. However, if you, if you said to me, um, you took it and you said, hey, here's someone who is struggling with their, you know, they're struggling with their identity and uh, suddenly finds themselves pregnant and they're in a different situation. Like you can you can put that in a way that doesn't hit you over the head with the yeah. obviousness of what's coming. Like, yes. here comes conflict. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you think, know what's coming. And I yeah. think the good thing about fantasy sci-fi is you actually can deal with those really, really big issues without going, here's the issue. I'm going to yeah. talk about it for three pages yeah. now and take yeah. you out of the narrative. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. with contemporary, it's really easy for people to say, you know, like, for example, The English Patient, 30 mm. pages about Zephyrs, right? Yep. Like, I think with <laughs> contemporary fiction, you can go, I'm just going to go off on my hobby horse and keep riding into the sunset <laughs> yeah, now for exactly. a little while and you're going to yep. have to yeah. follow me. But I think with fantasy, like, a lot of us readers are pretty sophisticated. Mm. And if people start going... I'm going to put the issue of the day in here, even though everyone's got blue skin or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You'll yeah, just yeah. be going, I can't, you know, it's really, it's just thrown me out of the story. Yeah. And so mm. I think we're quite good at just going, we can see the stuff and we understand that the sophisticated issues are there. Yeah. But I think the authors and the readers have a kind of compact where that's not the. Yeah, there's you know, an unspoken the agreement. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's yeah. Not the, it's in there, but it's not the, you know, like we're not going to go, here's a political issue of the day yeah. now. We just don't do that. Yeah. Because it ruins the story, you know? That's right. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, it's not that we don't want to read about that. It's just that when you hit someone over the head with something, that like any issue, you know, when you're the, um, if you're the, the guy on the, you know, like the, the, if you're the person who's just shouting at someone about something, they're not going to listen necessarily. But yeah. when you bring it to them in a way that they can relate to, and that's where you ta- where you can you can actually help someone on their journey of understanding because you bring them a character they can relate to, and then that character faces an issue that person and might not understand. And that's your way in. Yeah, that's your way into that's the issue. That's your way in, right? Yeah. yeah. And that is respectful to your readers. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. It's respectful to people and says, hey, you know what? You might not agree with this, but you can at least begin to empathize with it. And that's... Yeah, and I think, huge. yeah, that, that slow process is the most important thing there. Um, and I just want to mention very quickly, I'm not I'm not hating on OG Star Trek for anyone else listening. I, <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Just it's clarify. Re- it's really good. Um, but it just, at that time, it just didn't feel... You, you're shaking your head. You I can just see love the me. fact you're having to put a disclaimer I'm back out pedaling. there. I'm back pedaling. Because you know your my, career could be over. My, um, yeah. There may be some feedback on that. So. Yeah, so... But it, it's that idea that it doesn't always work for everyone, right? In that idea that some metaphors just don't stick with people, especially if those are the people that experience those things. And you're like, eh, maybe not. Maybe I, not in this. I think as well, you, with any with any story you're telling, you need to be respectful of the of the of the situation you're telling as well. So if I was to write a story about someone um, getting an abortion, oh my god, you know, would I even know where to start? No, yeah. no, I'm going to have to do a lot of research. But yeah, you'd have, have to, readers, you'd have the whole lot, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Because yeah. you're going to have to make sure that you really got a grasp on this. And would that even be a story I'd be comfortable telling? I mean. I don't know. Yeah, you know? and that's the question for the author as well. Oh, and these yeah. are interesting questions because I think fantasy sci-fi, there is, you know, there's there's a bit of old guard, new guard stuff happening. Yes, and, you absolutely. know, it's like, how do we how do we now tell this for this kind of contemporary audience without, you know, treading on so many different 
people's toes, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's changed a lot, and I'll always remember coming back to Raymond E. Feist's magician and going, "Oh yeah, wow, we read that recently o- too." Yeah, the only female yeah. character is just yeah, like, don't even. I mean, go it's there. just like you might as well just plaster them on the wall and say, <laughs> occasionally we'll refer to them. Yeah, or sex objects. Yes, sex yeah. objects. <laughs> in the occasional sex objects. May as well just have one of those, uh, you know, one of those anime pe- pillows. Oh, uh, that, yeah. that, the that body pillows. Be that would have been a more filled out character. Yeah. Um, oh. Whoa, there we go. Um, uh, if you're listening, Mister Feist. Not sorry. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the um, that's kind of the, the the interesting thing is we we've come a long way from from that kind of uh, old school fantasy where it's just male not male not even male dominated it's just male yeah, full yeah, stop yeah. white straight male full stop you yeah. know, to to being a more um, more nuanced to to and I, I think you're right new wave and I think mm. that I that word you just used nuance like I think so, fantasy has come a long way in nuance right um, mm. there was an article I wrote a while back about Lovecraft and about how Wiley has some ideas that you know most people will fixate on and say well these are, these are issues I I really like his character growth as a human being and you can see his writing getting so much better when his worldview opens up towards the end of his life and then it deteriorates but you know let's not talk about that um <laughs> but when it was opening up and he was living a more full life and he was actually you know living in one sense you see his writing become richer and fuller yeah. and better and I think fantasy has come that way i think there is some um there's definitely truth in that of that that sort of you know big men fighting other big men um in sword and sorcery particularly a genre that i'm and there's I absolutely really a love. place for that you know yes like, uh, there's a female place for readers that. love that stuff too yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah and there's that idea that you need to do good writing as good writing you know yeah. and that stands for itself and people can smell that um but and and you can see the artistry in some of even Robert E. Howard's later works, right? Um, there's a there's a story that I always point people to when people are talking about Conan, being like, oh, he's a one note character. Mm. Absolutely. There's a story that Robert E. Howard wrote that was called the Tower of the Elephant, mm. and was about Conan going into tel- uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a tower to go murder something, <laughs> and to murder an elephant man is basically the story, right. and. It's there's so much empathy in that story because that turns out that's not the story, and it's such a powerful story and really really good writing. Mm. So, I really do think it, good writing speaks for itself. In I probably genre. should mention this book uh, on this mm. podcast, but you know Ian Fleming how he wrote the James Bond series. Yeah. Yeah. Like there is one book mm. in his whole series which is written from the perspective of a woman. Yeah, um, mm. really? which is called I think A Spy Who Loved Me, and. I'm not saying that it's good or bad or it's Mm. just and it's kind of like that story we were just talking about seeing his work grow like Mm. come from a different perspective is really fascinating because it's still a spy story but it's written from the perspective of the so-called victim right Mm. and he's like channeling a woman so it's all yeah it's it's just fascinating to see their worldview kind of change a bit as you read through the oeuvre you know yep Mm. Mm. yeah absolutely any closing comments Rebecca before we wrap up Uh, no it's just been a Really fun time. Like <laughs> chatting with fantasy nerds. I love it. It's yeah. fantastic. Like we should do this more often in public, you know, yes. like fully out there, yeah, talking about Jared Butler's abs and all that <laughs> stuff. I know, you it's know. true. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I think um, I think it's it's been interesting that in recent times, you know, the uh, nerd the appropriation of nerd comments and <laughs> culture into uh, into mainstream. Um, oh, the Big Bang Theory stuff. Like, do you yeah. guys watch that show? Yeah. I can't stand. I don't. I, I, I can't. I'm oh, sorry. Do you, do you actually know who watches it? I don't know. I, I don't know, but it's like so, so massively rating. Like, who's I, watching I, it? I don't know. People who don't identify. Who do they culture. have? The, who do they have the meters on? Like, that's what I want to know. But, uh, um, but yeah, like it's it's interesting though because I think Game of Thrones probably has done the most for that I'd yeah. say and I think there's mainstream. a lot of good to be said for what that has helped the fantasy genre but in the same way that some of the best work in fantasy came out of Lord of the Rings I, I've always been saying like hmm. don't try and emulate oh. to the point of you know fantasy fantasy's yeah. bigger than that exactly. it's like how you were saying swords and sandals right yeah, yeah, there yeah. are so many sub-genres that Absolutely. to say fantasy is all just you know people with bare skin cloaks on yeah. it's just completely wrong like it's just not you know like I mean I I have never tried to write high fantasy mm. I'm like an urban fantasy yeah, person because yeah, yeah. everything starts in the real world for me but mm. you know like there are so many ways to write fantasy now and for people to just say it's all the cosplay people or the viking people yeah. you know it's not it's like it's very that. narrow definitions yeah. yeah I mean it's just so broad yeah, yeah, no, but hey, I think that's all to all to the good, and it'll continue to bring uh, interesting conversations and fantasy to the fore. Just like this one, there you go, bringing it back. Bam! <laughs> I, yeah, I should just end the podcast on the bam. You know? <laughs> that's just how this goes. Well, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for bearing with us and um, engaging with this conversation. I always say to people that. The only way you move forward in these kinds of topics is to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. If you want stuff to change in genres, just talk about it. Have a conversation. And learn also from get in and do it. You know, yeah, like absolutely. that's the thing, if anything. And that's that's my sort of like aspect of writing. Like I, I try and engage with the conversation. Yeah. But, but, you know, like the things I think are missing, I'm trying to put back in there. So, exactly. you know, and if you're someone who's trying to write and you're emerging or you're, you know, established, you're part of that conversation as well. And if you see things missing, put mm. them in there. You yeah, know, right. yeah, I completely agree with that. There's something that I, I and it just came to my mind, and I'll, I'll close with this, but when people look at the podcast archives, there's like 70 odd podcasts mm. that we've done. People are like, oh, wow, so much advice. I guess I'll watch, listen to everyone and then start writing. No, mm. you know, like learning is so important, but just do it. Like, yeah, just sit there and agonize. Deliberate practice is yeah. one of the best forms. So. And also show people, talk yeah. to people about it. Like if you just have it to yourself, you'll never know yeah. if it stands up, you know, like if it meets the smell test, you've got to, you've got to talk about your work with people. Absolutely. Mm. Well, on that, Rebecca, thank you very much for joining us. It was Thanks a pleasure to have you. Well, what have you got coming up? Where can people contact you? You did say you're not a big fan of social I'm media, but actually quite terrified of Twitter. So I'm on Instagram, Rebecca Lim underscore writer. Mm-hmm. I'm also on Facebook, Rebecca Lim dot nine oh six, I think. Um, otherwise, you can contact me through my publisher, which at the moment is Alan and Unwin. Fantastic, and the book, uh, Children of the Dragon, the Relic of the Blue Dragon. What is this about? Just tell us where people can find it. Uh, it's about Chinese mythology, Aussie kids, um, martial arts, action adventure, a uh, bit of mystery, and you can find it at all good and non-good bookstores, <laughs> I think. This is one of the good ones. One of the good ones. <laughs> I'm not good sure ones. if it's We've here, but yeah. We've discharged our obligation. <laughs> it is good. Please this don't. is an excellent bookstore, and I'm not sure. I haven't combed through the shelves yet, so I'm not sure you if it's here. You can definitely find it here. You can find it here. <laughs> there is one true. copy here I can see. <laughs> so, guaranteed. yeah, we can find one copy here. So Fantastic. Well, Ian, thanks for joining us. What have you got coming out uh, on social media links? 
Give yeah, us the details. you can find many gifts on social media. <laughs> I sent out a newsletter cats for the first one. time. Yeah, cats, cats, cats. I did send out a, a first newsletter in a long time today. But uh, yeah, there'll be more news about what's coming up. Sorry, I've, I've been suppressing a couple. Um, there'll be more news about what's coming up. It sounded soon. like a guffaw. Yeah, I'm I'm in the middle of several projects, but there, there will be some news soon. Hmm. Yep. I feel like that's the writer's life. I'm in the middle of several oh projects goodness. that I can't talk about. Yeah, I and know. I can't bring home. And I can't, I can't bring, bring them yeah. home. Yeah, know, that, yeah. There's no tangible proof of these projects, but they <laughs> exist. Yeah, they do. I swear. Well, you can follow the Morning Bell at the Speculate Twitter, which is at SpecFicVic. Uh, you can find all the podcast archives, all that intimidating episodes on uh, themorningbell.com.au. And as I mentioned at the start, Speculate was great this year, and we are coming back next year with Speculate 19, bringing conversations like these live on stage. So please um, subscribe to uh, our newsletter, yep. which is at the uh, which is specfic.com.au. I think I got that right. Yeah, that's it. Yep. My goodness. I'm just... Yeah, you got just it. Bringing it today. There you go. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and we will see you on the next podcast.